Okay, it's all gone very, we're back to normal now, good. So, uh, I'm very glad I'm at an Al-Anon meeting this evening. Um, uh, the topic was tips for newcomers. And, well, I don't know if I've got any tips for newcomers. So if you're looking for tips for newcomers, you might be disappointed. But I'm going to say some things. And if those things are helpful, that's great. And if they're not, that's great. <laughs> it's good either way. Um, I've got a slightly peculiar understanding of, of my Al-Anon problem because my understanding has come from different people at different times in different places. Um, so I'm just going to set things out as I see them and I may change my mind. My whole Al-Anon problem, my whole Anon problem is a problem of responsibility. And by that, I mean this. The truth, as far as I'm concerned, is I am responsible for what I believe, for what I think, for what I do, for my attitudes, for my beliefs, for my feelings, for my internal world, for my external world and you <laughs> are responsible for your beliefs, thinking, behavior, attitudes, values, feelings, internal life and external life. Now we could all go home now, that's the, the only thing you need to know. The, diff the, the difficult thing is um, uh, I know some people are very, this, I hope this isn't an outside issue, but some people get very worried about the vaccines because they think that some computer program is going to be installed in them, which will change their genetics. Um, now, so what I'm about to say is figurative language, not literal language. It's figurative language, not literal language. When I was young, very young, I had software installed in me by my family. Uh, they didn't mean to do it. They just did it. They installed software which told me how to live. And I ran on that software and it was incredibly painful. Um, and uh, the software uh, works very well in its own way, except it produces pain. And in the software, there are some basic rules in the software. The first one is, um, I'm not responsible for me. I don't need to look after me. Um, there is too much going on in the world. When the world is fixed, I will take responsibility for me. But whilst there are problems out there, I'm going to be very very busy. No time for anything to do with me. So I'm not responsible for me. That's rule number one. Rule number two is I am responsible for you. I'm responsible for what you believe, what you think, what you do, where you go, how you do it, <laughs> whether it's successful or not. 
And so uh, I learned this from my mother as how to control and how to bulld, bulldoze, how to uh, manipulate. So these are the first two rules. I'm not responsible for me. I am responsible for you. Uh, other things, I don't know where I learned these particularly because they weren't so much in the house I grew up in. But um, the third rule is you're not responsible for you. So if you treat me badly, there's always some good reason and I have to put up with it. So I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm not allowed to walk away. I just have to live with it. So you're not responsible for you. I, I, I wouldn't let people take responsibility for their actions. And by that, I mean, uh, I would stay in very damaging, they say today, toxic relationships. Uh, because I would not hold the other person accountable for their behaviour. I made excuses for them. Um, and then I would take care of them. There's nothing better to distract from your own problems than looking after someone else's. Uh, sometimes I don't know what to do about my own problems. But I discover I'm very clear about what you should do about your problems. I have this amazing gift of clarity when it comes to other people's problems. Uh, and I'm not the only person in recovery like this. Um, I'm a member of a number of Facebook groups and uh, to do with recovery. On, on one of them, I posted an article about something or other to do with the big book. And bear in mind, you know, I've been in recovery for uh, 28, over 28 years now. Um, uh, I'm not saying everything I say is right, far from it. But I'm not, you know, I'm not two days in. So I wrote this little article and some people liked it and some people didn't. And there was one person who decided that uh, I've never met her before. I've never interacted with her before. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she lives. I know nothing about her and she knows nothing about me. But she decided that what I needed to do was I needed, this is based on her reading the article, she decided that I needed to get a sponsor and work the 12 steps and then I would understand the big book and stop talking rubbish and that God's will for her was for her to give me this very useful advice. She was very, very clear about what I should do and I identify with that. I can know someone for four to five seconds and be very clear about precisely what needs to change in their life. <laughs> um, I managed not to respond 
at all. I said nothing. I was so pleased. I thought of a lot of things to say. Uh, one thing I thought of saying was, are you okay? Because you don't seem okay. But I, I, I didn't even say that. Um, so caretaking. That's So this is under the heading of you're not responsible for you. I don't let people take the consequences of that consequences of their actions and then I caretake them and then we haven't even got to the crazy bit the crazy bit is you are responsible for me and so I would go around the world uh, looking for people to rescue me um, in my craziest times, I would find public figures I thought would rescue me and I would write them letters telling them exactly how they could and should rescue me. I know. I know none of you have ever done anything crazy, but maybe one day you'll meet someone who is crazy and you'll be able to say there is one more crazy person. Uh, and worst of all is victimhood. So nothing was ever my fault. And this combination is deadly. I'm not responsible for me, but I am responsible for you. And you're not responsible for you, but you are responsible for me. Now, the crazy bit, the really crazy bit, is I would choose for... for people to rescue me, I would choose alcoholics and addicts with a tiny little problem with anger and a tiny little problem with staying sober. Um, you know, if you're going to choose someone to rescue you, at least choose someone who is not currently in active addiction and preferably choose someone over 16. They tend to know more than the people under 16. Um, so that's rescuers. Um, uh, caretaking as well. Uh, I was, I've always been drawn towards uh, people with unsolvable problems. So there's no fun in taking care of people that, are, that can have care taken of them. It's the ones who you take care of them, they build up a little life and then they run off again and then you don't see them for three months and they come back, you know, covered in blood or or sick or something. And, and you know, you start again wearily on the rounds of, of uh, assistance and benevolence. Um, just having one crazy person in your life, in my experience, is enough to uh, drive you completely crazy. Uh, but when your life is full of them, then that really drives you crazy. And uh, Al-Anon wasn't my first fellowship. I joined, I, I first went to an Al-Anon meeting about a year after I went to my first fellowship. Because after a year of being in my first fellowship, uh, literally everyone I talked to was 
in recovery and so presented boundary problems <laughs> um and so i was i was if i wasn't ready for alanon before i joined recovery i became ready for alanon because i was in recovery i couldn't have stayed in recovery if i hadn't learned some alanon some basic alanon tips um the basics of recovery, I think, are the same in all fellowships. And I think there are six elements. The first one is, as my friend Tom said, 100,000 meetings. Try. I know in the Al-Anon script, they, su they suggest that you try six different groups, six different Al-Anon groups. I'd suggest about 100,000, and then eventually you'll find one where there's you know, just the right amount of knitting. Um, there, you know, there are knitting Al-Anon meetings, there are crocheting Al-Anon meetings, there are macrame Al-Anon meetings, and then there are the meetings where they don't do that. Uh, eventually, you'll find one which suits you. The second one is fellowship. Talk to other people in recovery. Now, um, I th I'm going to I'm going to share an opinion. I apologize for that in advance, and I hope no one takes offense, but if you do, well, that's your business. Um, there's one thing more toxic in my life than uh, uh, an alcoholic or an addict who is out of control, and that's an Al-Anon who is out of control. Um, the alcoholics eventually pass out or they run away, or you don't see them for, you know, a few days, and they're thinking only of themselves. Whereas the, you know, the, the I grew up with some Al-Anons in my face, <laughs> and I found it very difficult in Al-Anon to find people who were safe, in that they didn't interfere with my thinking or my behavior without my permission and so i tested people out in Al-Anon very slowly and the people that i was attracted to in Al-Anon were people who would simply listen to what i was saying and offer their advice only if I deliberately asked. And it took a while to do this. I had to burn through a lot of people. I would start to tell them what is going on and the advice would just come at me straight away. Um, so that took a little while. It was harder in Al-Anon than in the other fellowships. Uh, sponsorship. I needed someone to take me through the steps. I needed to take the steps. So that's four things now lots of meetings, fellowship, sponsorship, steps. Have a daily program. My first sponsor said to me that the most dangerous thing for someone in recovery is unstructured time. Um, with my Al-Anon hat on, I can be too structured. So I need just enough structure 
but not so much I'm in prison for the next 30 years. I'm the sort of Anon who makes the, you know, S Stalin only made five-year plans. I make 30-year plans, 40-year plans, and then my life is over because I'm trapped in the plan that I wrote. Um, so s daily structure is good, however, and some service. So that's the sixth thing. Um, some basic ideas which uh, have really helped me to uh, separate, to, well, to find solutions and to start to detach from other people. Uh, on the solution side, um, um, if I've got a problem, it means I don't have a solution. Now, that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but I've spent a lot of my life presenting my problems to people. They present me with a solution, but then I respond to their solution as though I have a better solution, which is my failed solution to the problem. So I would listen to advice or input, but be very resistant to looking at things differently. If I've got a problem, an emotional problem, uh, I'm looking at the situation wrong. I may be looking at the situation 99% right and 1% wrong. But if I don't know which 1% is wrong, I have to treat the whole thing as wrong, give the situation to someone else and say, what do you think? Someone who is sane, has a sense of humour and has their has my best interests at heart and who is recovered. Um, I have to be willing to listen to their view on number one, how to look at the situation. In other words, how to think about the situation. And secondly, how to act in the situation. And uh, what I've learned to do is I test people on small situations, I take the solution they offer and try it. And if it works, it was good advice. And if it doesn't, it was bad advice. But I can only find out, not by thinking about it, but by using the advice in practice. Um, when I'm upset emotionally, uh, when I phone my, fr my best friend in recovery, I say, I must be looking at this situation wrong or I wouldn't be upset. Tell me where I'm wrong. And that stops me from arguing. If I've already decided the other person is right, that my friend is right and I'm wrong. I'm going to get I'm going to get a clear message which I'm not going to react to. But I've got to recognize I'm wrong first. If I don't recognize I'm wrong, his advice will conflict with the advice I'm giving myself.
And there's another problem as well. Um, my problem is my thinking. Now, if you've got mice or cockroaches in your house and you call the pest exterminator to get rid of the mice or the cockroaches. When the pest exterminator is about to spray your kitchen with special things to get rid of the mice or the cockroaches, you don't ask the cockroaches or the mice what they think about this. They're not going to like it. Now, if my problem is my thinking, I do not want to ask my own thinking what it thinks about the solution. It's not going to like it because most of my wrong thinking when I apply the situation is going to disappear and it is fighting for its own survival. So I've got to be really, really careful to make sure that when someone gives me a new idea or a new action, not to ask the problem what the problem thinks about the solution. This will save you 10 to 20 years. <laughs> if you want to save time, then that's a really good way of doing it. Um, on how to start detaching myself. Uh, there's a French novel, which I read a few years ago. And in the novel, there's a 17 year old boy. And he comes back from his. And he comes back. Um, he comes back from the summer holidays. And his best friend has disappeared. The family has moved. Uh, no letter, no phone call, nothing. And he goes to this old friend of his, um, a Russian emigre living in Paris, a photographer. And he tells the photographer this story about how he has been so ill-treated by his friend. And I've got the quotation from the story here. The photographer says, it's not his fault, i.e. it's not the friend's fault. You're the one who is responsible. And the boy says, how could you say something like that? I did nothing wrong. And the old man says, you say that your friend acted cruelly. Yes, he acted cruelly. And the old Russian says, if he had considered you to be his friend, he would not have acted like that. He was not your friend, therefore. The fault lies with you for assuming he was your friend without paying attention. You have to know how to distinguish real friends from false ones.
he goes on to say, with friends, people often engage in wishful thinking. You could have been a little more careful in your choice. And in lots of my toxic or dysfunctional relationships, I wasn't in the relationship with the person as they actually were, because if I had been, I would have left. I was in a relationship with the person I thought they were going to be once I had fixed them. And that's a very different matter. Um, there are two types of relationship. Uh, well, actually, there are three types of relationship in my, in my life over the past many years. One type of relationship is a relationship with people who are basically healthy emotionally and sane and well and kind and respectful and good things. And today that's most of my relationships. And then there are relationships which cannot be fixed because the person is too unwell. And with those, as soon as I realise the relationship cannot be fixed because the other person is too unwell or I am too unwell around them. And, you know, this year is not the year to face that problem in me. If you don't face the brokenness, there, there's lots of different types of brokenness. There are lots of different ways to be broken. Um, there are certain types of brokenness that I needed to be in recovery for 15 or 20 or 25 years to face. So if you postpone certain problems, they will still be there in 20 years time. So you won't lose them. Don't worry. The problems will still be there. You do not have to learn everything at once. So certain types of very difficult relationship, I could just wait. It's fine. I will come back to that type of person in the future and learn how to deal with it. But now I can't do it. I can't deal with it. If I were better, I could, but I'm not. So I can't. And that's OK. And then in between, uh, there are relationships where you can't avoid the person because they're in your blood family. There are relationships you can't avoid because you you're in the same workplace. Or they're your neighbour. Or there are all sorts of situations where you have to come across people who are on their own journey of recovery or not. And that's where the tools of the program really come in. It's learning how, it's learning when, what to ignore and what to respond to. And today, in the relationships with difficult people, uh, I can't fix any of the difficulties and I just ignore them. I just respond to the bits of the relationship which work and ignore everything else. That's generally what I do. And some basic ideas about boundaries. Um, as soon as you say boundaries, everyone in Al-Anon gets their pencil out. Um, it's people's 
favourite topic, how we can get them to change. Um, the first two types of boundary, which are very helpful, and I'll finish on this, so don't worry, I'm going to wrap up soon. The first type of boundary is when I say, I can't, I can't come to the wedding, I can't do this job anymore, I, it's impossible. Very straightforward, I can't. The second time is, I won't. What that means is, I can but I don't want to, and that's enough. There was a scene in Friends, I know people have heard this before, where Phoebe, someone asks her to do something and she says, I wish I could, but I don't want to. Which is amazing. I did not know you were allowed not to do something just because you didn't want to. I thought if you could do it, you had to say yes, and you don't have to say yes. The three other types of boundary are, uh, they go like this, stop it, do it, or do it differently. Now, they're like Tiffany's vouchers. Um, you don't get many of them, so spend them wisely. I've discovered if I set too many boundaries with one person, the relationship is dead within two weeks. So um, with boundaries, occasionally I get to set a boundary. Um, most things are not nearly as important as I think they are. Um, and Honestly, lots of my program in Al-Anon, you have to do the steps, but lots of the program is applying these basic questions of boundaries and the basic questions of what do I respond to? When do I respond to it? How do I respond to it? Do I respond to it? And I'll give you a couple of slogans to finish on. A few slogans from my friend, um, Anne. First one, wait. Why am I talking? Waste with an S. Why am I still talking? And the last one is don't get your help all over people. <laughs> help is the sunny side of control. So I'm careful these days to help only where I'm asked to. So I'm going to stop there. Thanks for listening.